Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, it's all about whether or not a person is bothered by their sin to the point where they're going to confess and repent to get rid of it, to get the forgiveness and the cleansing. You know, that reminds me of a, a customer we had in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I never even heard of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I mean, have you ever heard of Hattiesburg, Mississippi? Okay, some of you have. All right, so we got this customer in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He had a large dialysis clinic there, and he sent all his patients to us to be tested by our lab. That was a half a million dollar per year business. That was a $500,000 per year business. That was a good business. And that customer came to us so what did we do? The customer and his wife, my wife and I, our salesperson and our sales manager, we all went out for dinner at the Marine Room, you know, built on the sand of the beach in La Jolla. And we had a table right next to the window, and it was sunset, and it was just perfect. I mean, the waves were crashing outside. The seagulls were feeding. Oh, it was a perfect evening. It was just beautiful. And so... I told the doctor that I was Jewish and had become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't really think he was Jewish. I mean, he's from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, you know. It's not like Brooklyn, New York, you know. And so, and I was so surprised when the doctor told me that he was Jewish, and that was a tense silence at the table as I was wondering, how could a Jewish doctor be in Hattiesburg? All right. Anyway, and no one said a word in the tension. And so my wife decides to break the tension. And so Cheryl turns to his wife and asks, are you Jewish also? <laughs> you know, And the doctor speaks for her. She doesn't speak, he speaks. And he says, she was not born Jewish, but she converted to Judaism. And then there was more silent tension in the room there. And then nobody said a word. Again, Cheryl speaks. And she turns to the wife and she says, didn't it bother you to turn your back on the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> and first time she speaks, and she says, yeah, kind of. That was the best $500,000 per year customer that we ever sacrificed. <laughs> because Cheryl raised the question that bothered her and hopefully bothered her to return to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is the point about Esau. He was not bothered by his sin, and that's why he's named Adam, Edom. A red, because of the sin of selling a spiritual birthright for a bowl of red stew. Genesis 25, 34. He did eat and drink and rose up and went his way and was not bothered by it. That's how he gets his name, Edom. So he never got another name other than Edom. 
which referred to his sin. Edom, Esau got the name Edom, and he never got a new name because he repented, because he didn't repent. Now, by contrast, Jacob got a new name because he repented. As we saw in Genesis 35, 10 here, the previous chapter, he says, God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel, new name, shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. See, Jacob and Esau, they're both twins from the same womb, but Jacob gets this name after he repents called Israel. Jacob is Israel. And what happened to Jacob for him to get that new name of Israel? Well, then we go back, as we saw to Genesis 32, 26, Genesis 32, 26, when he makes this famous plea to God, I, he said, I, let me go. God says, let me go for the day of breaketh. And he said, Jacob says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what's thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. It was because Jacob laid hold on God and said that he would not let God go unless he blessed him, even though his hip was out of joint, Jacob's hips. See, so Jacob was saying that he was a sinner, and he would not let God go unless he blessed him with forgiveness and cleansing, and then his name gets changed to Israel. Now, this is what a person does when he becomes a Christian. He's so bothered by his sin that he says to the Lord Jesus, I will not let you go unless you blessed me with forgiveness and cleansing from my sin. Then his name is changed to Christian. Esau is Edom. He never got a better name because he didn't repent. As the Lord Jesus said in Luke 13, 5, I tell you, nay, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So this is one of the main points about Edom, about Esau, about Edom. And that is, when we look at Edom, We've got to realize God is emphasizing to us these four times in this chapter that Esau is Edom. Edom is the person who sins and is not bothered by it and so doesn't confess and repent. So when it says in verse 1, these are the generations of Esau who is Edom, it's equivalent to saying these are the generations of the person who sinned and it didn't bother him. And so he didn't confess and repent. Now that's one of the main points about Esau who was named Edom here for the red lentil stew. He saw, he saw no value in his spiritual position. The other point seen in Esau in the red lentil stew history was the fact that at the time, Esau was really hungry. He was faint. He was hungry to the point of being faint. Now, we can't read that without thinking about another history of a person who was really hungry to the point of, of, of being faint. Now, who is that? That's Jesus, right? The Lord Jesus, he's the anti-Esau. And so we find the opposite history when the same hunger came to him in Matthew 4, 1. And Matthew 4, 1. Then, was, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered, and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, I'm sure that both the Lord Jesus Christ and the devil had in mind this history of Esau when the Lord was hungry to the point of starvation after having not eaten for 40 days. But in that history, the devil made to the Lord, the offer to the Lord, that was the same offer made to Esau. Just forget about God. 
just, 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 just serve yourself. Use your power. Turn the stones into bread. Which if Esau would have had that power, he would have done it in an instant. But not so with the Lord. He, he waited on God to feed him. And when he, when he said there's something that's, that, that's more important than satisfying my own hunger, and that's to wait on God and for every word that proceeds out of his mouth. So both the Lord and Esau, they had the same hunger. Same hunger. They had, the Lord had more hunger. But they had the same need. And, and we all have the same needs. We all have the same needs. You know, the devil wants us to think, oh, you're alone. You're alone. And, and what you're going through is a really special problem. No one's ever gone through that before. Therefore, no one can understand what, what you're being faced with. And that's not true. The reality is, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, our problems are not unique to us. They're common to man. But what, but what got to Esau to yield was this one word, and Jacob kept driving this word. In Genesis 25, 31, Jacob said to him, sell me this day thy birthright. Genesis 25, 33, and Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold him his birthright. And then in verse 32 of chapter 25, Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? So Esau was a person who lived for the right now, for the instant gratification right now. So this point is encompassed in his word Edom, in his name Edom, because he's not being bothered by his sin. And the second point is that he lived for the immediate. See, if, if Esau could have immediate pleasure, that's all he wanted. Just give it to me now, which was not the Lord's response. The Lord said, no, turning the stones into bread. The Lord's hunger continued on after that until later when the angels came and ministered to him and without a doubt they brought him food. But Esau's motto is, why wait when you can have it now, when I can have it now? So for Esau, it's all about this day, this day. Esau lived for the present. If today Esau could be satisfied and be happy, that's all that mattered to him. Esau said, I'm hungry now. I have physical desires now. I have sexual desires now. I have desires for power now. Why should I not satisfy them all now, even if I have to compromise? That's Esau. And this is the opposite view. It's the opposite life for the Christian. The Christian has an eye toward the future when it says in 2 Timothy 2.11, 2 Timothy 2.11, it's a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now, you can put in the words now and later there. You can say it's a faithful saying. If we be dead with him now, then we shall live with him later. If we suffer with him now, then we shall reign with him later. We'll live with him later, reign with him later. See, the Christian is content to be dead to his own lust now because later he's going to live forever. The Christian is content to suffer now because later he's going to reign with the Lord later. That's why when a person says, uh, becomes a Christian, his unsaved friends just say, you know, since you became a Christian, you're just not any fun anymore. It's not fun anymore. You know, you don't enjoy life anymore. You know, it's kind of a downer to be around you. you know? And that's because a Christian has stopped being a man of the world. The man of the world is described in Psalm 17, 14. Men of the world which have their portion in this life. 
See, that's what characterizes a man of the world. It's in, in this life. They have their portion in this life. It's all about where a person chooses to have their portion. Men of the world, they choose to have their portion now in this life. The Christian, they choose to wait to have their portion in the next life. So what Esau said when he exchanged his spiritual birthright for that bowl of red stew reflected how blind he was. You know, when it says that, he said, behold, I'm at the point of die. What shall this birthright, uh, what profit shall this birthright do to me? That when we read that, that's, supposed to, that's, bo- that's both amazing to us and it's stunning. It stuns us. It stuns us to hear a person, Esau, speak about both death and spiritual birthright in the same sentence by saying, I'm at the point to die and what profit shall this birthright do to me? I mean, Esau thought he was gonna die and, and he saw no profit in having a standing before God after death. That's really amazing. Esau was at the point of death he saw no need for God, no need for God. It's like when you ask people today, are you concerned about death? Are you concerned about death and the need to get right with God before you die? And people say, well, chances are there's nothing after death. So I'm not concerned. That's a blindness. That's a blindness that Esau had. Yesterday I was speaking with Pastor Paul Chapel from Lancaster Baptist Church, West Coast Baptist Church. And he told me, that he was invited to be a part of the five, of 500 pastors to meet with Donald Trump. And, they, and he was told that the pastors could ask just one question. And so uh, Paul told me that he was gonna ask, his question was, Mr. Trump, if you were gonna die today, are you certain you would go to heaven? That was gonna be his question, see? Now, if you asked Esau that question, you know what he would do? He would sing to you John Lennon's song. He would, Esau would sing, Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try, no hell below, above us only sky, okay? So as it happened, Paul, his grandson was very sick, he couldn't attend, he couldn't make the trip to meet Donald Trump and ask the question. And he was happy he didn't, because pictures were taken with Donald Trump and the pastors in Donald Trump's office, and behind where they took the picture, there was a picture on the wall of a Playboy playmate standing there with Donald Trump, see? So all the pastors over their shoulder had this picture, see? Anyway, Esau was spiritually dead and blind when he said, what good is a spiritual birthright to me when I die? Hospitals and hospices should be full of pastors leading the dying to the Lord Jesus Christ, like the thief on the cross, but they just say the words of, of, of Esau, they just say, behold, I'm at the point of to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? They don't see God giving the Lord Jesus Christ to die for their sins. They don't see this free gift from God of forgiveness and cleansing from their sin. They just see an empty, meaningless religion. And they say something like, behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this religion do to me? And it's all because that in their lifetimes, they chose to compromise enjoy the pleasures of sin, and they're not willing to confess and repent at the end of their life. Now, Abraham died, of course, and we have one part in Scripture where we have recorded words of Abraham after he died, after he died. There's one passage of Scripture where we have recorded the words of Abraham after he died. What were those words? 
Yeah, that's right. Luke 16, when he is responding to the rich man who's lifting up his eyes in hell, and he asked Abraham for relief, and Abraham says in Luke 16, 25, but Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. See, that's very important. Abraham said, in thy lifetime. The rich man chose to have his portion in his lifetime. This is what characterized Moses. Moses chose to wait to have his portion in the next, in the next life, as it says in Hebrews eleven twenty four. Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Abraham, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That word choosing, it's paramount. It's really important because it shows us this choice that Moses made. I mean, just think about these verses in Hebrews eleven twenty four through 25. If they would have been written about Esau, how would it be constructed? It's, it would say something like this, you know, where it does say, it says about Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, here's how it would go for Esau. By sight, instead of by faith, by sight, Esau, when he was hungry, refused to deny himself, choosing rather to sell his birthright with eternal satisfaction and enjoy for a season a bowl of red stew than to suffer immediate hunger. So for Esau, it was all about now. I feel the need now. I will satisfy my need now. That's what's meant behind the word Edom. It's so, so verse one of Genesis 36, Genesis 36, one. Now these are generations of Esau, who is the now person, who satisfied his immediate needs with expedient compromise and had no interest in eternal need. But there's something else that's very significant of what what Esau said when he said in Genesis 30, 25, 32, 25, 32, Esau said, behold, I'm at the point of die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? Those last two words, to me, to me, that's important. What profit shall this birthright do to me? See, it, to me, it reveals how Esau saw his birthright. And this marks an essential difference in the two manner of people between Jacob and Esau. See, Jacob saw great profit in the birthright, and he wanted it. Jacob would have said, this birthright can do great profit to me. But Esau saw no profit in the birthright. So Esau said, what profit shall this birthright do to me? See, the birthright to Jacob was sweet, and the birthright to Esau was disgusting. See, the birthright to Jacob was precious, and the birthright to Jacob was despised. Jacob wanted the birthright with all his heart, and Esau couldn't wait to get rid of it. See, that's the difference in the Jacob and the Esau manner of people. God's promises are either sweet or disgusting. God is either precious or despised. God's promises are either desired with all the heart or they seem like a waste of time. To some, when we tell the gospel to them, it's sweet. And to others, they look down on it. To some, when we quote the Bible, they love it and they listen to it. But to others, they're irritated by it and they refuse to listen 
Some love the Bible, some despise it. Jacob cherished the birthright. Esau despised it. You know, this came home to me on Wednesday, on Wednesday. What, what day on Wednesday? Mar- March 21st. What year? 1984, a few days ago. When Pastor Jim and I, we were visiting Jewish people in North Park, going door to door. And we were giving them God's precious gospel message. And as you might imagine, it was not being received that day by the people we spoke to. What else is new? So God's message, this is really bothering me, because God's message was despised that day by the people we spoke to. It was really bothering me. And I was asking myself the question, how could what I see as the most precious gift be so undervalued and rejected and despised by others? And I was troubled by this question, and why it was so precious, why I saw it as so precious, and they, and they, and they were reje- despising and rejecting it. And, and so I was just thinking about it, and it was just at that time when we were walking, they were out on the sidewalk, and we're walking, and I saw a gospel tract on the sidewalk with big letters on the cover that read, your king is coming. And it was just there on the sidewalk. It was in front of me, and there was dirt on it. And there was the dirt on it from people's shoes. And it was perforated with little stones and dirt that had embedded itself into the paper as they walked on it. And I felt so bad. And I saw that track with the precious statement about the coming of the Lord Jesus. And I felt so bad about it and, and how, the, how it had been uh, treated that I stopped and I picked it up. I picked the track up and I, I cleaned it all off, you know, real good. And I put it in my pocket. And then as I walked on and wondered, you know, how people could mistreat a truth so precious as the coming of the Lord Jesus, that track on the ground, it taught me a lot that day because it, taught, it, it really, made, really, really made real and it brought home to me the difference between the world and a Christian, the two manner of persons that Rebecca talked about. What the world sees as worthless, I see as precious. What the world despises, I cherish. What the world would reject and step on with their shoes, I pick up and hold on to. Now, all these points are what is meant by this emphasis in this chapter about Esau's Edom. Esau is Edom, in verse 8 it says that. Esau is Edom because he was not bothered by his sin and he didn't confess and repent. Esau is Edom because he lived for the present, he saw no value in life after death. Esau is Edom because he took his portion now in this life and saw no reason to live for the next life. Esau is Edom because he was blind to anything beyond death. Esau is Edom because he despised God and the things of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for helping us to see so clearly and and helping us to take our stand to not be Edom, to not be like Esau, to not be Edom, but, Lord, to cherish you, to cherish your salvation and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.